thank you so much for joining Democratizing Music, where we interview content creators, struggling musicians, and basically anyone struggling to make a buck, whether that be performing, or even all the way up to well-established, maybe multi-album producers or bands that have gone on tour. We've done it all, and I just can't wait to introduce you to our interview this week. So please join me in welcoming Nifty Sacks. Nifty Sachs, I know him from an, a clubhouse community, that's where we met, uh, called NFTS.tips, uh, which is about helping artists and musicians specifically um, learn how to use the new blockchain NFT technology to uh, sell their uh, art uh, digitally uh, over the internet, over the blockchain, and hopefully avoid uh, being screwed over by yet another new audio medium. Um, that being said, uh, my, my musical understanding of, of Nifty's uh, background is, is basically that he is a, a very accomplished saxophone player uh, that uh, basically, yeah, music is his life. And um, so I, I love talking to people like that. And uh, I can't wait to get into everything that is music, love of music, NFTs and, and how music has changed over the last uh, several years of history. So, Nifty, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I guess, you know, a lot of times uh, I will I will be interviewing people that are kind of like singer-songwriters or or kind of bands, and, and so I don't need to necessarily ask the question of like, so, so how do you approach music? Because normally that's kind of a question I honestly hate when people ask like authors and things like that. Um, so uh, in your case, though, based on what I know about you, maybe I, I think that the, the audience would be extremely interested to hear the particulars about how you go about making the music, specifically the NFT music that you, you are intending to sell these days. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh yeah, just a, a little background is, yeah, I've been playing saxophone for a bit more than 20 years now. And um, I, I decided to create this collection using just the saxophone. Of course, this was not uh, only what I was doing before doing NFTs. I was making all kinds of music. But in the end, the saxophone is what uh, really, uh, it, it really, what it, it, it feels like home for me. So it really feels like what I what I should do because in the end that's what I can do best and so I decided to create some sort of generative music because I call it generative music because I, I try not to have control over it and it's uh, it's completely improvised and I also uh, take some light psychedelics let's say to, to help me achieve that so I go in the studio and I, I, I get high and uh, I start recording and then I, I never, uh, I never trash the recordings, and I never allow myself to edit them. And this is also why it was helpful to have uh, a pseudonym, because it, it just helped me to really be completely free, because there were no expectations. Right. Nobody knew who I was. I could just be uh, an awful saxophone player. Who cares? And, uh, <laughs> so I could just produce whatever I wanted, and that really freed me up a lot. So I created these. Um, 100 saxophone solos and uh, they they are really varied like they they go from like really peaceful and chilled and kind of like i don't know like noir film kind of vibe to like really uh, crazy fast and uh, maybe avant-garde 
and uh, I really feel like they they represent uh, my 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 soul as a musician uh, in its uh, entirety, and uh, it's kind of like it really feels like it's my my soul like uh, stripped into like one hundred uh, auditory experiences, and uh, yeah. So then I uh, after I was finished uh, recording these. Um, these 100 tracks, I did it all in about uh, a couple of weeks, and it's it's uh, it's a bit more than five hours of music. It's I think five hours and 15 minutes or something like that. It's quite a lot of music, and uh, yeah, then I, I minted them all as one of one, and I decided to do a tiered pricing because I thought it would be nice to to reward uh, early believers. You know, like they start from 0.01 ether, which is depends but it was like about $15 when I started and uh, they are all below one ether so the number 100 is, is one ether so they go up by 0 0.01 every mm -hmm. time and that's kind of a yeah like a brief introduction of, of my collection that's uh that's pretty cool is um is this the first like foray into like your own solo uh, saxophone work, or is this uh, just kind of a little spin-off project that you that you've done uh, just to see what would happen? Mm, well, I actually never I never considered uh, recording an album like this just because uh, I didn't even know if somebody would be interested in it. But the fact that I could mint it by myself, and uh, since it's kind of like an artsy project. I feel like uh, I don't know. I felt like it was a good place uh, in the to be on the blockchain and to be recorded like that and uh, immortalized because it, it's also kind of a a, a time capsule because uh, of course with the pandemic and everything, I was in a very particular state of mind and I wasn't I wasn't able to play live for for many months. That was really tough. And so I feel like with this collection, I really let uh, I, I let out everything that I that I couldn't in the previous year, and uh, yeah, so I, I never did something like this. I, I recorded some some jazz albums and uh, other stuff like that, and more traditional like composed music. But uh, yeah, this is uh, this is more close to I would say kind of uh, avant-garde classical music maybe, and. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know if there there would even be a market in the traditional music business for this. Maybe, but uh, so far I'm really happy uh, to to have the music here on the Ethereum blockchain. Yeah, you know, it occurs to me uh, a couple of things occurred to me as you were talking about that. Number one, just the the logistics. So you, so you said going into the studio. Do you record in a home studio or is there a, a professional studio that you actually travel to to do your recording? Uh, it's not. It's not really. I wouldn't call it a professional studio. It's just a, a practice space. I just go there with my with my laptop, my my audio interface, my microphone. Yeah. And um, that's basically it. That's my setup. So it's it's pretty it's pretty simple. I like and, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's really. I, that was also very liberating because you know, like making music in a studio with other musicians, it's always so expensive and such a stressful experience every time. And uh, yeah, like this, I felt like so free. I would just go there with my with my little equipment. I would uh, just uh, set up everything, then get high, so I, I knew that everything was was set up properly, and then just start recording. And I I would just record for a couple of hours, 
just uh, and I basically I just start playing and I feel uh, when I just I just follow the stream of consciousness and then I, I just feel when it's the right time to end the piece and many times when I listen back I'm kind of surprised to hear that there is like really a beginning and middle and then a proper ending that kind of uh, resembles also that, oh. that kind of is related to the to the beginning so I, I feel like the pieces are are working and they they have uh, some sort of meaning and they're, they're really I, I like to hear to listen to them because I, I recorded them in a state where I wasn't even really aware of what I was doing kind yeah, of yeah they're kind of and new so, to you yeah yeah they're, they're surprising sometimes very surprising and uh, that that was also something new for me I, I've never done something like this and I I have to say I, I really enjoy this this process uh, I also enjoyed a lot the, the process of uh, trying to give titles to these tracks because it's mm. 100 uh, and uh, so I decided to have a system and so I have always a sort of like a funny adjective and then a, a crypto reference let's say something ah. that uh, so every every track and they're all alphabetically ordered so they they just start from A and they go all the way to Z and some letters they were really tough but uh, but yeah now now they are all there and the titles now I'm, I'm really happy with them and they're they're funny and then it, it was uh, also this is also another big part of the collection that I forgot to mention that I, I brought uh, 100 artists to do the cover arts and this was really fun to see what they came up with with these uh, with these crazy titles and uh, yeah it, it was a way for them to explore their their creativity because sometimes it was maybe very difficult to visualize some I don't know some titles like impure inbox or unkempt unicorn or something <laughs> like that and uh, and, but yeah, they did it, and uh, I'm, I'm still receiving some some of the submissions. Some people are still working on the pieces, but yeah, the, the stuff that is already there is really it's amazing. It's blowing me away. You know, another topic that I, I definitely want to drill down on uh, about that initial response you gave me uh, was was about you kind of hinted at the fact that like the anonymousness of the way that you're doing this project is kind of giving you freedom to do stuff that like you you might not otherwise have felt so comfortable doing, uh, which is really interesting because like, you know, if you've been paying attention to world like happenings over the last several years, it's no secret that like a lot of people think that uh, being anonymous online can lead to some of the worst aspects of, of human interactions. And yet for, for musicians it can, or and I'd wager many artists, it, it can actually offer a lot of freedom, especially if you've got any kind of an established uh, professional portfolio out there. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, like I especially exactly especially if you're already if your name is sort of known a little bit and people expect a certain certain things from you. Sometimes it's a little bit of a cage, and yeah. uh, this is something. Yeah, also very new for me. I never thought that, that I would do this. And it was also difficult because I started from scratch, like my, my Twitter account had zero followers and mm -hmm. everything at zero. So, but, so it was a little bit challenging, but also, yes, so liberating uh, the idea that I really could explore my, my creativity like a child. I could just play whatever the hell I felt like. And it could be sometimes embarrassing, but whatever, who cares? My name is not attached to it, so I will just uh, I will just keep it. And there are there were some, some pieces that I was a little bit uh, sort of embarrassed of just because they are so 
pure. Like they really kind of sometimes I feel almost naked when I when I listen to them. It's mm. probably just me, and it's my my issue with uh, with this. But uh, but yeah, it was very very liberating, and I think it it uh, allowed me to to really reach further uh, with my creativity uh, than than normal uh, composition and uh, having my name attached to it. Definitely, this is something I yeah would uh, I would recommend uh, everyone to try just to have a project without their name attached to it and see what happens. Yeah, I I would say definitely. Uh, I I have uh, I've pr done a few projects where or participated in a few experiences where uh, the the whole notion was just to improvise from beginning to end, right? Like so, I I recorded like a five song EP where I had no idea. I had just gotten an electric guitar and a recording device, and I was like, well, I'm just gonna see what what pops out if I hit record and start start recording some songs, and just made up the chords, made up the words as I went along, and. I was surprised with how good the results were. Um, and similarly, like there was this train I was on to go on some trip with some friends and uh, a friend of mine both played guitar and like we're having a little, little improvised songwriting competition uh, back and forth. And like those were some of the, the most fun and most productive times I've had as a songwriter uh, of just doing uh, doing improv improvisation and like just hitting record and seeing what, what happens at the end. Um, and if you take yeah. that a step further and then make it anonymous, it gives you the freedom to even like maybe publish that and find out what people actually think about that song that maybe, maybe causes you some embarrassment you wouldn't release professionally, but like, yeah, maybe, maybe people love that. Maybe people just connect with it, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I love that. I love that, uh, that idea that I, I think I, that's why I will try to keep anonymity i will always disclose my my identity to collectors because i realize that it is important to for people to know who, who they're buying music from especially if it's kind of expensive mm -hmm. so i'm always open to answer questions and everybody that asked me i i've always uh, answered and i always uh, bring them to my to my website and, and my 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 identity my, my name is very easy to, to google once you know it you can just uh, find me very easily oh uh, you, uh, so, you're not a mike smith i take it huh <laughs> no yeah it's, it's a kind of a unique name and i think there's only one <laughs> in the <laughs> in the music business that's that's this name um um but yeah so it's um yeah, for for sure, it's it's uh, it's exciting to just be completely completely free like that because it really brings back uh, the the feeling of just uh, being a child and exploring without really any any um, any other idea like oh maybe I want to do this maybe I want to do that I don't care really what what I want to do I just uh, do <laughs> and I and I don't even I don't have a plan I don't have. Uh, anything that holds me back i don't i don't have to answer to anybody that's the that's the feeling that i that i wanted to have going to record and i tried to keep that really true throughout the recordings I, that was really important to me to be able to really maintain the same kind of uh, effort in uh, not blocking myself and uh, so that's why i i chose to to get high during the recordings because I realized that if I wasn't high, I tried also, I, I tried that as well. Cause I thought, uh, do I really want to get high all these days in a row? But uh, yeah, it I wasn't mean, working. Well, what do you got? Like a hundred of them? I mean, that, that's a lot, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, but I did, I did, I think about an average of like 10 tracks per day, something like that. Oh, okay. So I, I, I did a record for a hundred days, but I really well, did economical, them I expect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Yeah, it wasn't working when I wasn't high, it, it wasn't the same vibe. So I felt like it wasn't true to the project. And so I decided, okay, let's, let's actually do this properly. Are psychedelics something you incorporate into like uh, preparing like a jazz solo or something like that or, or uh, for for other parts of music that you record or do you do normally keep uh, stay sober for those things? Hmm. Usually in the past I have recorded always sober, but I I I did realize that uh, if I if I smoked some weed before a concert I I play better I I am able to access my knowledge in a more uh, meaningful way. Like it's, it's more, it's really, I feel more connected to, to what I know. And I, basically what it does, it's, it's probably just because uh, I have anxiety and what it does, it just allows me to, to connect to my true self and just, uh, just stop putting blocks on, on, on myself. Instead of uh, thinking three times about the phrase that I'm doing, oh wait, do, is this proper? Is this uh, gonna be accepted by jazz people? Is this, I don't, if I smoke some weed, I, I don't think about any of that. I just play and most of the time that works. Especially, I think it works really well if you already have uh, a lot of knowledge and it's even too much you know like jazz is so complex that once you once you're kind of deep into it if you try to access it with your conscious mind it's, it's just overwhelming i think it, it doesn't really work so you really have to achieve a state of flow to play properly jazz i believe and so yeah basically i i have used that uh, for for live shows to to help me to to get there it's not like i get like super high that i, I can't even <laughs> stand but just just a little bit in order to to really just access my true self and and stop uh controlling everything you know trying to control everything uh, i can get that yeah for sure uh do you find that logistically challenging to like just get the timing right so that you're not like you know <laughs> oh, yeah. uh so you're able to drive yourself to and fro and, and things like that and not like <laughs> uh you know kill anyone yeah yeah the, usually yeah the the best thing is if i if i get there kind of early then i maybe i, I have an edible so i know that i'm gonna be there for for a few hours yeah and so then i that that, that is a little bit a little bit more reliable because if, if you just uh maybe if you just smoke some weed then by by the end of the first set you're really kind of sober again and so it's, it's a little bit unreliable, but I mean, it's not so, super important to me, but, uh, but yeah, I do try to, if it, especially, especially if it's like a, an important show, let's say, then I, I would like it to be the best possible. So I want it to be, uh, yeah, to be honest to, to with my, uh, to my possibilities. Like I, I really want to play at the best of my abilities and I feel like yeah. I can do that if I am a bit, uh, a bit high. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes it is a bit of a challenge to, to time it properly. Well, yeah, certainly on this show, we've never interviewed any musicians that feel the same way as, oh, wait, hang on, every. <laughs> uh, so uh, that being said, uh, I, I'm looking at a looping video of you, I assume, recording one of these sax solos where you are, you're uh, kind of 
uh, playing a little solo, and then you know, like you lift up your knee and cover the the horn end, uh, oh, the yeah. output end of, of the saxophone. Are those yeah. kinds of uh, what I would certainly put in the avant-garde category of playing saxophone? I mean, you're the professional, so correct me if I'm wrong there. But are those the kinds of things? Would you incorporate those kinds of things rather in your playing style, but outside of this project, or is that kind of unique? Mm, yeah, that would be kind of rare. That's like uh, because basically, what you can do when when you, when you see me putting the leg there, I can achieve an A. So that is, I call it that leg A, because usually the, the the saxophone goes down to a B flat. But if I put the leg in front of the bell, then I can go down an extra semitone, and so I can oh, achieve really? a really low A. Yeah, and so that's a fun yeah that's a fun note because it's pretty unexpected, especially. If you're already used to the sound of the saxophone, and if you already heard the lowest note, which right. is a very low B flat, and it sounds really low, and then you go even a step further, it's kind of, it's kind of nice. Yeah, I used a lot of extended techniques in these uh, in these solos. There are many like multiphonics and uh, altissimo and uh, and some some growling and stuff like that. I like <laughs> and, that. Uh, I like that. Yeah. No. Um, for similar projects on guitar, I'll do things like you know, kind of hit the body of the guitar as a way to kind of add some percussion uh, as part yeah. of my strumming pattern, if I can incorporate it. So I kind of, I kind of saw that and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that guy's kind of <laughs> doing the same sort of thing. Like just making it more than just a saxophone, even though that's all he's really got. Uh, yeah, I no, like. yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, because the, the saxophone, as well as many other uh, wind instruments, they can, they can produce so many weird noises that usually you don't get to use in, in, in a regular show, like in whatever, in street jazz. <laughs> and But it's a lot of fun. Sometimes uh, what what many people have told me uh, listening to some tracks is that they didn't even know that the saxophone could produce those sounds because sometimes it sounds really weird. It doesn't even sound like a saxophone. It just sounds like who knows what, <laughs> like some, some animal maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I I find those things super fun to explore those uh, those sounds uh, with with any instrument. I, I always had so much fun with this. Also growing up, also playing with other people, trying to explore uh, like the limits of our instruments. I, I loved it. Uh, and that doesn't appear to be a baritone saxophone, right? It's uh, and it's not the the Kenny G one, which I forget the name of. It's, the, <laughs> yeah. it's what's the it's one? A ten- this one is a tenor. The Kenny G tenor. one is a Thank soprano. You. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, the tenor is uh, is kind of very popular in jazz, and it's it's not as low as the baritone, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's let's say it's the male voice of the of the saxophone family. Then there's the alto, which is a little bit more of a female voice, and then mm-hmm. soprano is like really like a, a high female voice. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I do play also the other saxophones, but uh, but yeah, I, I feel really connected with the with the tenor. Um, I I mean I, I grew up listening to Coltrane and Dexter Gordon and Coleman Hawkins, and so that that really that really speaks to me the tenor saxophone. Mm, yeah, how um for so I've played a lot of instruments, but woodwinds have actually not been one thing uh, that I've really gotten into like. So like a lot of brass instruments, the fingerings are quite similar, especially like you could like transpose a baritone part into into treble clef and and the fingerings match the fingerings on a trumpet. Um, Are the fingerings from one saxophone, like an alto to a tenor, 
uh, for like an E, E, you know, are, is that similar or? Um, yeah. So basically, the, the saxophones are transposing instruments. So mm -hmm. this is the only reason why they are transposing instruments because if you go from a soprano to an alto to a tenor, you still have, like to play a G, you still have the same three fingers. Huh? Uh, if the saxophone was not transposing, then that would mean that every time you pick up a different uh, size saxophone, then all the keys would not would not create the same sound. So you would have to relearn the instrument every time. So this means that you do have to transpose in your mind, or if you're writing, you do have to change key but yeah if you if you change saxophones and you you have music written for that particular saxophone then you don't yeah you, you don't have to relearn all the keys so which is nice you can play all the all the instruments in the saxophone family you can play well the flute is also pretty similar and the clarinet is i've heard the clarinet similar. somewhat yeah yeah that's cool yeah i i just i had a chance to ask the question so i figured i'd go ahead <laughs> sure. and do it I'm not even sure if that'll make the final show, honestly. <laughs> um, can you tell, so like, uh, it sounds like you've recorded all the, the hundred solos, right? For this initial yeah. project. Um, but I, I assume that not all of them have, have sold. Um, how, do you mind if I ask how many have sold of oh, the sure. hundred? Uh, so far, uh, I sold number I guess one, I two, up. three, seven, and eight. So I sold five. So okay. far, out of 100, it's not, not many, but, um, but uh, all the collectors that have bought it, uh, I, I, we had a really nice conversation and it, it feels like uh, they had a connection to the music, so I, I, really, I really like to hear that and I, I hope that uh, it uh, continues this way, that every collector really gets in touch and uh, most of the time they ask me questions, they were curious about some things and I'm always super happy to to talk about it so yeah so far uh, it's not a very uh, profitable endeavor but uh, that was not uh, the main reason why i did it of course it would be nice to be able to to sell them but i'm so happy either way to just have created this stuff because it was so liberating for me it was really such a creative explosion like i i feel like it really changed me as a person just to be able to to, follow, to put all of these uh, solos out there somehow uh, freed me a little bit. Like now I, I feel like I have even less anxiety for some reason. I don't know, I put it all there. So it's all, it's all on the blockchain. It's not anymore in me somehow. Mm. Yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, it feels like you, I don't know, were there any doubts at any point during this project where you were like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it to a hundred here. <laughs> Or anything like oh that? yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was tough. It, I mean, even even just uh, just I mean, of course, the process of uh, recording and everything that was that was fun. But uh, but then also uh, minting all of them one by one, and then uh, all, putting all the descriptions in place, and then all of the tracks also have uh, three uh, individual uh, three characteristics, so they can also be searched by characteristics. Like I, I always tried to I listened to the whole track and I tried to see okay is this chill is this peaceful is this wild so there are always characteristics like that so if you go to the OpenSea search function like on the assets page then you can mm -hmm. really select the track that you that you want to hear basically if you want to hear a wild one you can search for a wild one and so that that took quite some time but I felt like it was 
service to the to the future collectors. Otherwise, it would be just so so difficult to like to listen to all of these tracks and without even knowing what the hell you were gonna get into. So now you can you can search also by duration if you want a short one or a long one. So that that was the the hardest part, and the, there were definitely times where I thought, "Oh my God, like this is gonna take forever." It's like, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, like then after everything was released, and it was, uh, and I was really happy. Oh, even even after there were there were still down uh, days. Like sometimes I feel like, "Oh, this is shit. It's worthless." And like this is normal, I guess, in the life of any any artist. Uh, just some days I just wake up like that, but then hopefully the, I mean, uh, luckily the, the NFT community is pretty, it's pretty supportive. So, uh, I can just, uh, go on Twitter or on our discord and talk with all the other artists that did the cover arts and then can kind of, uh, lift each other up, which is very, very nice. Did you mint these NFTs directly on, on the blockchain? Uh, so, on Ethereum, to be clear, is what I mean. Um, well, this this was unfortunately something that I I found out later on that if I if I could go back, what I would do is I would create my own collection and and create my own uh, ERC seven twenty one or yeah. whatever it's called. Uh, but yeah, now they are on eleven fifty five, so they are what uh, they're what they're called like whatever lazy minting or something like that. So they get minted when they are bought so they are not really minted until somebody buys well, them and so, you would you wouldn't do that if you had a chance to do it again today that that's interesting because like to me that feels like a better model for for especially an artist that's like is this gonna make me any money like <laughs> at least you didn't go negative you know go into the red by minting each one as an nft for whatever the ether gas would have cost you at the time yeah, that would have been, I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't have been able to afford it because last right. year was really horrible. Like I, I spent so much of my savings just on rent and food because I, I couldn't play live shows. So yeah, that that would have been, that's basically the main reason why I did it like that. And actually at the time that I was minting, I wouldn't, even if I could go back, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to mint one by one because the gas at that time was like about eighty dollars for for minting one piece. So I I definitely couldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I see that some collectors. Yeah, exactly. Deploying a contract was about yeah like four or five hundred dollars at that time. Yeah. So yeah, in total, I would I, I calculated I think yeah I would have spent about yeah between twelve hundred and fifteen hundred dollars, and that would have been quite uh, quite uh, hard to do mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i see that some collectors are a little bit snobby about that they they do prefer uh, erc 721s and uh, for some reason yeah the 1155s are not so valuable to them i i still do not fully understand i always liked uh, this kind of uh, geeky stuff i always like to code a little bit like i i remember mm. like uh, writing my, my website by hand in HTML back in the day. Geocities? Uh, no, I was just literally just uh, just writing on a, on a notepad and then... Uh, and oh, then so just, you had like an Apache server or something you were hosting? That you yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. I am also a giant computer nerd, so... Uh, okay, that's good. I don't want to click on... I hesitate, rather, to click on a entry SC in your collection on OpenSea because I don't want the song to play over over the uh, podcast unexpectedly. Uh, but yeah, what I would I like to ask you is, 
Uh, okay, cool. Uh, but what I, I would like to ask you is like, what was your strategy for determining like what all was included in the NFT? Like for instance, is the actual song, uh, the, the audio file itself, is that in included in the NFT? Uh, or is that reference from some external server that is like linked to by the yeah. NFT? Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, actually, the NFT itself is this audiovisual that I that I made with this. Uh, so there's like this image of a saxophone with a with a bubble coming out of the saxophone, and then there is a, a visual representation of the frequencies of the track. So you oh, see all cool. these spikes yeah, are the actual. It. Yeah. So those are uh, there are the frequencies from. I think between like something like, I don't really remember what I did, but something like between 240 Hertz to like 4,000, something like that. That's just a visual representation of, of the frequencies that are in the track. So I feel like that's kind of nice to look at because it's, um, it's just, uh, it just shows what's going on in the track. And you can see that if I make like a really crazy multiphonic note, then you see everything going nuts. And if mm -hmm. on, on just one single note, you see really just one spike in that particular frequency. And then, of course, with the harmonics also in yeah. the others. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's the one that is in the in the NFT. And then as an unlockable, uh, which is uh, unfortunately on, <laughs> on another server, it's just, uh, it's just a Google Drive link. But of course, if ever Google was to go down for any reason, I would uh, I would send it directly to the to the collectors. But yeah, that's in the unlockable. There is the the audio only version, uh, and then also the same audio but uh, completely dry, without reverb, without anything. So if mm. uh, producers want to mix it, because who knows, maybe they don't like the way that I applied reverb and EQ and stuff like that, so they can make it their own. And I always, uh, in the description, I, I grant them rights also to remix. They can resell, do whatever they want, as long as they oh. credit the original. Uh, cool. So, you, yeah, it's not just the the, song, uh, the file you made or whatever, the audio you, you got and, and captured, but it's also the picture that goes along with it. It's also and, and, the, and the actual dynamic picture that displays yeah. the spectrum of the notes that you're playing. And also yeah. the rights to use it, as long as you give credit back to you. Um, uh, what else? Is yeah, included? you really own it. Once you once you own it, you really own it. You can do you can do audio visuals with it. You can sample it. You can put it in your own tracks. You can do whatever you want. So I, I felt like that was uh, that was important. It's uh, because it really adds to the to the value of of the NFT. It's, it's not just some random video on your phone but you can actually do something with it if you want and uh, yeah that's uh, that's it that's that's what uh, that's what it's in the unlockable these two uh wave files at uh, 24 bits and 48 uh, kilohertz so it's it's uh, high quality audio uh, both wet and dry and then yeah, that's it it's just a little like thank you note and also the mp3s if if you don't want to go through the trouble to to uh, convert it yourself that's that's what's in the local that's cool i like it yeah i have i've been encouraging musicians as they enter the nft space to like if you're a singer songwriter may, maybe you're writing the song initially in like a spiral notebook well you know and as part of your nft unlockable take a picture of that and like 
give them give them access to those original notes you made like with the you know no scratching out that line and replacing it with another or like uh you know all the little stuff that like a, a super fan would actually love to see because i i think that's what sets that's one of the things that sets an nft apart for me from a standard release of an nft of an mp3 or any other song yeah. today electronically is that you can kind of couple it together very very thoroughly with these robust rich materials um and, and even like allow it you know to then i'm not you know i'm not sure if this is something that would be something you'd be interested in and uh in, in the near future but like you could make it so that if someone showed up to a live show for nifty zacks right and yeah. they owned one of your nfts that they they get like reduced cost entry or, or like access to some special backstage access or, or whatever right yeah. like so cool a lot of really it. cool yeah. uh things for musicians uh that are available for for nfts um I yeah, want... definitely experiences as unlockables is something I, I want to get into as well. Right now, I didn't really think to offer something like that, but uh, I was I was thinking that it would be nice. Uh, I, would, I would definitely be up for like uh, offering, like for example, a one-on-one -on -one lesson or saxophone lesson or jazz lesson or whatever, like uh, uh, as an unlockable, stuff like that. I, I really think that this is going to be big in the future for for music and something really really big is is coming in the next couple of years i'm actually also side side note i'm also working on, a, on an nft platform with a programmer and we we definitely want to focus on on that like unlockables are, are super important for for collectors especially because uh, people are not used to collecting music anymore they're, it's just they're, it's just they're not used to it. They don't they don't feel like they're getting anything out of buying music. So I think it would be nice to bring back the idea to really get something out of it, and also the idea that it's just um, maybe it's uh, this this particular release is rare. Maybe there are only one hundred copies on on blockchain, and it's not available on YouTube. It's not available on Spotify, and you have to really go there to listen to it you have to own it and so i think that would be nice to be able to bring that back so yeah we are we're still very early early days we are also like just basically like fundraising right now because we realize it's, it's a way bigger project than, than 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 we expected but yeah that's that's something else i'm, I'm working on right or like unreleased uh versions of tracks that you did release like uh i that was one thing from Napster days. I'm not sure if you were you you were around yeah. during Napster during uh, based on your age, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. so like during Napster days, I downloaded certain tracks of of uh, of bands I liked, and then like later years later, realized that wait, the the actual final album release version of this song is different than the one that I I downloaded from Napster because <laughs> I'd gotten yeah. some you know early release bootlegged copy of the song, and like those could be your unlockables for the actual final purchase of that song. Like I, I do feel like there's a lot of skepticism that uh, NFTs could in theory produce, uh, uh, replace MP3s as like protected audio purchases. But um, I, I, I think that they actually really could because they're, they're better than MP3s. They're more than just the song and the plain text liner notes that you can put into the comments field or whatever for the MP3. Like, you can provide basically like a whole little booklet along with with that song about how you wrote it and here's like the here's what it looked like in the studio when we were recording the song and and a lot of other things like that yeah totally agree with that yeah i, I really think that the 
the music business is going to be shaken up by the NFTs. It's something. I mean, it, it needs to happen because right now, to like the the the, the revenue that streaming generates is not uh, is not all. Like there, there's a lot of money left on the table. Like back in the day, like. Uh, I mean, this is based on some analysis that we did for our marketplace. We we realized that there's really a few billions left on the table because people don't buy music anymore. Like compared to '99, we are still mm-hmm. down, like in total revenue of the music uh, business, and it's 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 ridiculous because especially because uh, Spotify and and places like that they don't really pay musicians enough, and that's I guess where all the money is going is going into their pockets. But uh, but yeah, this needs to come back, and it will come back because I think blockchain allows for this. If it is uh, easy to embrace for the general public, then people will embrace it. Because I think there are a lot of people that want to collect music. They are super fans of a band, and they are they would love to get uh, some really special unlockables with their purchase of, of music. So yeah, I I really feel like there there's something really big coming in the next two or three years. It might take even a little bit more for everybody to embrace it, but but yeah, it is necessary. It has to happen. This is not uh, sustainable like this. Like really, people are making music just to please uh, Spotify's algorithm. <laughs> that's not that's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, people should yeah. make music just because they want to make music and they know that they are going. To be able to sell it because they have their own uh, marketplace where they can just express themselves and they don't have to cater to some some algorithm so to our robots overlords you know yeah i i don't think it'll be long before more like famous artists say you know what screw you spotify i'll i'll make yeah. i'll go start my own little service that'll be a streaming service that like the whole point of it is that like we pay the artists what what the song's actually worth and, and things like yeah. that and that doesn't feel like a far cry at all so oh definitely uh you had mentioned uh that you include like a a unaffected version of your song uh, of your uh, solos in addition to the like reverb and eq'd versions so yeah. that tells me that you know something about audio production which makes me really want to ask you what what i call my lightning round questions but before i i jump in there um i will just give you a little little preface uh or actually in in reality what i'll do is check real fast like do you know things like about um professional studio recording like plugins and cables and and things like that that that, um... yeah a a reasonable amount i wouldn't say that i'm an expert but yeah i've been i've been producing some music for for a while cool All right, so if you are a regular listener, you know what that sound means. It is time for our lightning round. You know, the folks at the music store are all certain that those gold-plated, unbalanced monster cables with the triple ultra shielding are totally worth that 600% markup that you're about to pay for them. Uh, But they also make a lot of money and commission when you spend more on those cables. So the lightning round is designed to ask people that are actually in the business whether or not it's really worth the money to drop those those hard-earned dollars as a struggling musician. So, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. I'm going to give you the possible options that you can use to respond. Um, generally, this will either be a yes or a no, or I'll, I'll give you a scale f- from like one to five. 
Uh, I'm going to ask you not to try to hedge uh, what you say or try to explain as we go. We want to keep this as a lightning round as fast as possible. And then afterwards, once we're all done, we can circle back and, and let you uh, hedge and clarify and do everything that you want to do. Uh, is that cool? Cool. Sweet. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, so um, is it worth the money to buy a fancy unbalanced quarter inch patch cable with like gold play connectors and super triple double shielding around it uh this would be something like a guitar cable absolutely not not for me uh, all right uh, and technically for this next series of questions it's worth it or a waste of money i'm gonna put you as waste of money there um yeah is it worth the money to buy a fancy balanced quarter inch patch cable for like a speaker cable or a uh, yeah anything else that needs balanced connection waste of money or worth it mm, waste of money cool and uh, worth the money to buy a fancy balanced uh, XLR uh, patch cable. Waste of money. Cool. Is it worth the money to buy an external preamp? Um, and uh, the three options here are worth it regardless, worth it based on your mic and or audio interface, or waste of money regardless. Worth it based on your, on your mics, I would say. Cool. Um, is it worth the money to buy a third-party plugin or hardware processor for like VSTs, um, just like uh, VST Suite or, or or whatever? Yes, it's worth the money. Worth it. Cool. Um, and is it worth the money to buy dedicated streaming hardware? I'm not sure if you're a live streamer. We can skip this question if not. Uh, I, I'm not a live streamer, so I wouldn't cool. know. And I'll skip the next question, which also is about live streams. Uh, do you have a preferred uh, DAW digital audio recording uh, or workstation software? I uh, prefer Ableton just because I know Ableton. it very well and I can also use it live. So, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. A Ableton. Um, and uh, what is your preferred? You don't have a preferred streaming solution. Um, and your preferred. Do you, uh, do you have a preferred solution or software for like uh, conferencing like we're doing now, but with, uh, you know, audio and video? Like, do you use Zoom, Skype, or, or, or any of those? I've things? used them all. In the, I, I don't really have Is there one you one. like better? No, you don't prefer one? Okay, cool. Uh, not really. I use Zoom all the time, but I don't particularly love it. Okay. Um, and, okay, how frequently do you use the following plugins or suites? Um, or, or to be clear, uh, the first answer is actually your stock plugins that come with like your DAW software. How often do you use those? Very, uh, very often. Very often. So I'll put you at a, a five there. Um, Isotope RX suite. Do you use that suite? Uh, very, no. no, very infrequently or not at all. Mm, very infrequently. Okay. Yeah. Um, Isotope ozone. Do you use that suite at all? Not at all. Cool. Um, and uh, Fab Filter, do you use that suite of plugins? Um, I don't think so. I, nope. I know it. I think I have one or two of those, but I don't I don't use it so much. Okay. Uh, and then finally, Waves, uh, any of their collections? Yeah, I do have. Yeah, those are used quite a lot. I do have a couple of. Quite a lot? Of, uh, yeah. Uh, what's uh, can you list any specific like go-to plugin to use that would be just like manufacturer name and plugin name? Oh, this is, this is difficult. Uh, 
Um, I, I'm really bad with remembering names. I would have to go into my my DAW to, to check. What is it that I use most of the time? Probably, I actually like the reverb and uh, and the delay from um, uh, Valhalla. Okay. I think it's called Valhalla reverb, yeah. Valhalla delay. I love yeah. that. Yeah, cool. that is probably what I use the most. I like it. Um, let's see. Oh, I actually meant to ask you this earlier, and now it's coming up on a lightning round. So, like, do you generally play a little bit and, like, get an idea of where you want the song to start before you hit record? Or do you hit record, play, and then find, a, find where you feel like the song has come to an end and hit stop? Like, it, do you record more material and then cut it down even at all? Uh, this depends. This is kind of a longer answer if you if you allow me. So I'll I'll put you down for more than a hundred percent. Is is what it sounds like. Uh, sorry to keep you lightning around. Um, and this is uh from uh Nifty Sax. Um, so now that we are at the end of the lightning round, I hope you feel okay and that you don't feel violated by anything that I just oh, asked sorry, you. Sorry, I'd be really mad with that. <laughs> I always get too long, too long answers, sorry. Uh, no, no, you're doing great. Uh, if you want to try to explain uh, your your answer to the recording uh, more material or less material or, or yeah. whatever, so, yeah, go ahead. Um, so first of all, about the cables, this is something that also <laughs> comes up a lot, like it, it also with musicians, friends, not only about the cables that you buy, also how you treat them. And to be honest, I have bought my cable for, for, for my mic that I use live every single time I go to play. I have bought it probably like 12, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago. I always just throw it in my bag and it's just, it's, it's fine. It's totally fine. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not a big deal. Maybe I was lucky, of course, but uh, I don't know. My, my cable has been fine. I mean, I, you're I talking about an XLR cable in that case. Yeah, as XLR in my cable. cable. Yeah, 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 XLRs are, that, that's the kind of the point of that question uh, for anyone who <laughs> ever hears this. Uh, not that any of my uh, interviewees ever listen to the show or anything before they actually come on in preparation. <laughs> uh, but if they were, the point of that, that last question in the cables series is that, no, it's not worth it to buy a fancy XLR cable. The whole point of yeah. the XLR cable is that it is balanced with a ground, which means no hum, which means no, no problems. Like in theory, yeah. as long as it's literally wired okay, you're fine. And you don't like dip it in water every day. Um, yeah. I've had I've had the crappiest cable last almost forever. Oh, now yeah. if you do that Same thing for where you wrap it around your arm, you know, like uh, by holding it in your hand and like wrapping around your that, elbow. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that that'll kill a cable eventually because, like, assuming your elbow length doesn't change significantly, um, but I, I, I'm really gentle, same, but, but I do do that. <laughs> you even do that too, yeah. yeah. Like it's remarkable. Like those things are really, really capable. Um, the yeah, only now place... I kind of do it as a point. Like I really wrap it like that because I know that it annoys people, and I know that I have that cable since like more than yeah ten or twelve years. So now as a point, I really, I really do it every single time I, I wrap <laughs> it just because it annoys people so much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, some people are very particular about cable wrapping yeah, methods and things like yeah. that, for sure. Yeah, but like arguably the only place that makes sense to buy like a shielded cable is it's literally the quarter inch patch cable for something like a guitar or an instrument, yeah. because like that's the, the earliest in your signal chain, 
which means any noise you can prevent like is better off right you're, you're preventing it from going through all that gain staging but like also like that's it because it's not balanced that's the one that has the most chance to introduce things like noise in the first place so those two yeah. things kind of put it together it's still not really worth it but like yeah. if it's worth it for any of them it's worth it for that one and so like yeah just it's a little sanity check i guess i have at the beginning <laughs> No, but yeah, I see. I, I mean, I, I've seen some crazy cable for like 300 euros, 300. <laughs> I, I know, cable. I know. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I guess some people buy them. Uh, I have a good one for my bass guitar. That's the only one that I really have. It's like a fancy uh, yeah. cable. Um, and it, like if I could have gotten the chrome connectors on it with the good shielding, I would have. But like it had to come with the gold connectors if I wanted the good yeah. shielding. But other than that, yeah, I go, I go with the pretty standard cables. What about your uh, song recording uh, response? So, like, do you oh, right. do you like plan out like uh, how a little solo is going to go, or try to get like a rough idea first and then hit record, or are you just hitting record from a silent room? So this, yeah, this was the longer answer. So basically, for this particular project, absolutely no preparation. I just hit record and start to play. I I do not like that was the whole idea, and I really start just and something always happens i just start and then something happens uh for my more traditional uh recordings then i actually yeah then i actually maybe think of something and i prepare and then i go to record like six seven eight ten versions of it and then i i pick the best one and usually it's the last one that is the best one for that <laughs> but uh, either the first or the last never the ones in the middle the first also many times is the one that i take in the end but yeah, the ones in the middle are trash. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't even know why why I do I do it. But yeah, in the end, I do have to record a bunch in order to to have one that I pick. So yeah, for for more traditional recordings, I, I do that. I, I prepare and then I record a bunch of versions and then I go back to to listen. Sometimes, uh, to be honest, I also snip maybe if there is like a, a perfect breath I, and there's like a, a really a pause and there's nothing else. Then I snip maybe the the one the, I don't know the first part from recording one and then the last part from recording ten and then I call it a day and I don't yeah. have to do do it again. So yeah, I, I do that too. But for Nifty Sucks, the the collection, I did not allow myself to do that at all. So all, everything that you hear is exactly what I recorded, and it's also since I include also the dry version, it's also very intimate because it's really you really hear exactly how. I was playing right in that room, and uh, there are some, 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 especially with some particular sounds that you can do on the saxophone, like growling and stuff like that. You can even hear my voice a little bit in the background. <laughs> so it's very, very intimate. That's cool, man. Well, I, uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and um, talking to you about uh, your project and, and learn more about it. Um, before we go, I want to ask uh, two things. Number one. Um, Please plug your very social profiles and uh, your OpenSea marketplace and all that that people can find you at. Yeah, you can find me everywhere just by typing Nifty Sacks everywhere on Twitter, on OpenSea, or, or uh, whatever Instagram. I don't use so much, but I'm also there. Or Clubhouse. Just just look for Nifty Sacks and you'll find me. I was really lucky to get uh, Nifty Sacks for everything. I have NiftySacks.eth, NiftySacks.com, and Nifty at NiftySacks, both on Twitter and Instagram. 
I would have figured that niftysax.com would have been bought just as a, like a possible ty- typo. But I thought also maybe like saxophone lessons or something like that. Yeah. I thought somebody yeah. would have bought it, but, but nobody did. One, so. At least one of those. Yeah. So great yeah. buy. Great buy, man. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, sweet. Any other places uh, places where people can find you? Um, I think that's it. Then if you're really curious about our uh, NFT platform, you can look at wearelegato.com. But there's, there's not much there, but uh, just uh, like a, you can subscribe to the newsletter and we'll let you know when we launch. We plan to actually onboard some people maybe like in late August this year. Maybe, but I don't promise anything on that. But yeah, that's it. Sweet. Um, and then uh, finally, I just want to ask, are, are there any topics that you want to talk about that I have, uh, as a host, neglected and failed to, to ask you about? No, I think this was a great conversation. It's like it's already been an hour and it feels like 15 minutes. So no, I think I we talked about uh, we talked about everything. It was great. It went by so fast. Uh, I would yeah. love to have you on uh, as your as your collections go on uh, and, and make additional sales and maybe talk about what I assume will be the inevitable next project of uh, Nifty Sacks. So definitely, uh, definitely. Yeah, love can't that. wait to have you back, man. Thank yeah. you very much for your time and uh, have Thank a great so rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Thank you again for listening to Democratizing Music. You can find more information at www.dsmagic.us. There you'll find a contact form if you'd like to be a guest on this show or other ways to find out some of my other interesting projects. Feel free to reach out on any of the social medias. I'm available on Twitter, Facebook, and basically anywhere else. 